Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are a great and an awesome God. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We thank you for everyone who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. And Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, exhorted, even rebuked if necessary. Lord, may we learn from the life of this teenager, Daniel, and how you use this young man who purposed in his heart to follow you with all that he had. So Lord, be glorified, we pray. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. So we'll get to the outline in a moment, but I tell the outline, a, a heart purposed to serve God, to serve the Lord. Have you ever thought, if somebody came up to you, and I asked this to Angel last night, I said, why don't you go to church, bro? You're a believer. Oh, my business, I'm so busy. I just, I'm too busy. I have, to, I have so much going on with my business, I don't have time. You know what we call that? We call that an idol. Amen? Anything that we make more important in, in, in the world than our relationship to the Lord becomes an idol. Should we work hard where we work? What's the answer? Should we be the best workers in the building? But what is the purpose and the priority and the passion of your life? If you met somebody in the elevator and they said, what's the passion of your life? What would you tell them? Why, what's, what's the purpose behind your life? What is it? We're going to see the purpose behind this young Daniel's life. You know, when we think of Daniel, what do you think of when you think of Daniel? Lion's Den. Now, you realize when he was in the Lion's Den, he was in his 80s. So he had done 70 years of ministry in captivity before we see him in a Lion's Den in his 80s. And we're going to see this morning when he's taken captive as a teenager. And if he doesn't purpose in his heart to serve the Lord as a teenager... We never even hear about him being in the lion's den. And the same is true that it's not only that we finish well. We talk about finishing well. I talk about that a lot. Finish strong, finish strong. But guys, it's hard to finish strong if you don't start well at some point. Amen? And so we're going to see that in this morning's text. When King Darius was commanded to make men pray only unto him, he outlawed prayer. And when they outlawed prayer, Daniel could have kept praying by shutting the windows, but he didn't do that. He left the windows open knowing that it could cost him his life. Guys, as believers, we should not dial down our faith because we're afraid of what people might do to us for standing up for the things of God. Amen? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. We should be unashamed of the gospel. It's interesting that Daniel is spoken of more than any other prophet in, in this sense. Well, really, he's spoken more, more of a lifetime, 70 years, that could be debated. But there's not one recorded sin of Daniel in the Bible. And the Bible is quick. You know, we know Daniel's a sinner because we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? But it's hard to, when you look at the people in the Bible, the Bible is very transparent about not hiding the frailties of its heroes. It makes it very clear to us these are fallen men and women that God chooses to use. And if every prophet in the Bible were Daniel, we might just give up because we can't be that guy in a sense. But we're going to see that he was a man who, in the midst of the most ungodly surroundings, let me just say that, he was living in one of the most wicked times in the planet, especially for the Jews, and yet he stood for the Lord. Sometimes we'll say, well, yeah, they stood for the Lord because it wasn't like it is today. Guys, it's our turn to stand for the Lord, amen? And there's not a doubt in my mind, if Daniel was here today, he'd be standing for the Lord. He was used mightily by God. He impacted the known world of his time. He remained in a position of influence for over 70 years. Four kings came and went, and Daniel remained as one of the, like the number two guy to each of those kings. He remained faithful. The kings were, would come and go, and Daniel remained. He was a man of radical faith in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation whose walk with God wasn't dependent on the actions of others, who refused to go with the flow, who refused to compromise regardless of the potential consequences. And Jesus quoted his words in Matthew 24 and refers to him as a prophet. Now I'm giving you some overview because we are going to spend about three months in just a few months in Daniel. And I want you to remember this. So he was, God, he was used by God to both interpret dreams and to write one of the greatest books of prophecy in the Bible. Much of the prophecy he wrote about has already been fulfilled. He's the one that gives the day, down to the day, when Jesus will enter Jerusalem. And you, you take the amount of days, and it comes out from when it, it was the command went out to rebuild, the, the, rebuild Jerusalem, to when, again, 
the Lord entered. So his prophecies have already been fulfilled, but there's more prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And they're the ones we're looking at in Revelation. And we'll talk about that more, both in Revelation later chapters and also when we get to the book of Daniel. But again, all of these things that God did for, in, in him and through him would have never happened if he had not been a faithful young man, if he had not started well, if he had just gone with the flow. And it would have been so easy for him to do so. Here's a man who would not be conformed to this world. When I think of somebody who'd rather die with conviction than live with compromise, I think of Daniel. And he's a man whose life I would love to pattern mine after, though I know I fall woefully short. He did not view God's will as a law to consider or a path to ponder, but a blessing to follow. Guys, it's not the 10 suggestions, amen? It's the word of God. The wedding I did, my son's wedding, the last one of my children doing their wedding, I love doing weddings. But you know, the beginning of the Bible talks about marriage in Genesis, not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helpful comparable to him. You get to Revelation 19, talks about a wedding, the, the marriage supper of the lamb, and he, re, we, he returns for us, and we're the bride of Christ, clothed in white linen. That's all in the Bible. So marriage is God's command. There were some people at this that weren't married. They were living together. And I would ask, I'm out floating in the water. How long have you guys been married? Oh, we're just living in sin. I can fix that today. Can I get an amen to that? We can take care of that right now. Either we, you know, we can't just, well, the word of God is there, and when it comes in handy, then I'll follow it. The word of God, again, is something that we should open it, read it, and obey it. Amen? And it's not something that we should just look at as a, a guideline for life when we're struggling. So grab your outline real quick. And then we'll get into the text. A heart purpose to serve God. What is the purpose and passion of your life? So what was the purpose of Daniel's life? We know he was a man who would rather die with conviction than live with compromise. So how did he find purpose and direction for his life? As a pastor, one of the questions I get most often, I need direction for my life. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what the purpose of my life is. I feel like I'm I don't, I'm just waiting for something to happen. I have no clear direction for my life. Well, here we're going to give you some clues looking at Daniel's life that I believe will help all of us know God's purpose for our lives. Number one, he found purpose and direction for first being a young man of the word. One whose life was directed by the word of God. Not only did he read it, but he studied it. He was unashamed to proclaim the truth of God's word. He opened the word at all cost. And he opened it, he read it, and obeyed it. And he would not bow to the pressures of the world and to compromise. People will say to me, I have no direction for my life. And I'll say, how often do you read your Bible? Oh, I don't have time for that. Well, that's why you have no purpose for your life. Amen? I'm struggling with my faith. I don't have faith like that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? Guys, open the book, open it, read it, obey it. It will transform your life. It will give you purpose. It will give you direction. It will give you supernatural wisdom. It will help you to live a life that will impact eternity. Not only was he a man of the word, he was a man of prayer. Again, when you get to chapter six, he's thrown to lion's den because he prays when prayer has been outlawed. Let me clue you in. Prayer has not been outlawed. So you can pray. Amen. How many of you, notice my hands up, how many of you should be praying more? If your hand's not up, you're prideful. Can I get an amen to that? But some of you do pray a lot. I know there's people in this room that are prayer warriors, and God bless you guys. But the reality is I pray every day, and I pray, but I could pray more. And I find myself when I'm not praying the way that I should, when I'm trying to do things in my own strength or with my own wisdom, I fall short of God's will. So he walked in intimate fellowship with God. Why do we pray? We pray. Does God already know what we're going to pray about? What's the answer? Does he already know what the situation is? Does he already know how he's going to answer it? So then why do we pray? Because God wants us to have intimate fellowship with him. Amen? When we pray, we're setting aside everything else. You know, allegorically, you're crawling up into the lap of our Savior and you're pouring out your heart to him. And he hears your prayers. He loves it when you pray. And again, he prays and intercedes on our behalf. Again, he wasn't a man who just checked in with God from time to time, but fellowship with Almighty God was a priority and a passion of his life. Is 
Spending time with the Lord, a priority and a passion of your life. Are you spending time in prayer? Number third, he was a man of prophecy. Now, prophecy can be both, both forthtelling and foretelling. Forthtelling literally just means speaking the truth. So when you speak the truth into somebody's life, when you, and by the way, you know how you can speak truth into people's life? You know the truth. How do you know the truth? You read the Bible. Amen. I was out in the water with another uh, gal that's known my daughter-in-law since like third grade. And I was just mesmerized by how many scriptures she was quoting to me like in 10 minutes, like 30 scriptures. I was like, Joshua Camper. I mean, it's just coming, right? It was just coming. Word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God. I'm like, here's somebody who reads the Bible. Amen. When, when uh, the overflowing of a man's or a woman's heart, your mouth speaks. So what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. But again, when you hear people quoting the word, it's because they spend time in the word. Bible, by the way, the Bible rocks. Amen? Amen? It is the best book ever written. 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions because God wrote it. And I'm, I'm on the plane. I'm walking by. Everybody's reading nonsense for the most part. I'm like, we should just give everyone of these people a Bible. Amen? We don't need to read about the latest. This Guys, God's word. Make time for it. Make it a priority. And again, prophecy is both the foretelling, proclaiming the truth. But in Daniel's case, he was given the gift to foretell, to speak of things that were going to happen. Now, why would God give a gift to this man? Because Daniel was faithful. When you're a man or a woman who's faithful to God, that's a man or a woman that God will use. Finally, number four, being a man who sought godly fellowship. Most of the time we see Daniel standing, he's standing alone. But you'll see him mentioned with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we'll see that in this morning's text as well. And so he did, you know, pursue relationships with guys who love God. When the rest of the world's falling apart, you are going to become like the people you hang out with. Amen? Bad company corrupts good morals. And if you hang out with people that have, you know, a certain thing that they all love to do together, you're probably going to get caught up into that, whatever that is. But if you hang out with people that love Jesus, guess what? It'll help you grow in your faith. Amen? And not only that, when you're hanging out with a bunch of people who love Jesus, you're less tempted to do stuff outside of God's will. Amen? No one's ever invited me to a strip club. Not one time. They don't do that. All the guys from work will be going to a strip club, and they don't come by. Hey, Dave, you want to? They already know, dude. I ain't going. And by the way, what are you doing? And I'm telling your wife. Can I get an amen to that? But you become like the people you hang out with. And then finally, Daniel had purpose in his heart, stepping out in faith, even when nobody stood with him. God molded his character, blessed him, and used him mightily. When we're obedient, God is glorified, and we get blessed. Amen. So I pray that you would open your hearts to say, Lord. Have I purposed in my heart? What is the priority of my life? Are my priorities out of whack? Do they need to be changed? So quickly, historically, we know as much more about Daniel than any other prophet. We're given a firsthand account of his life from his early teens in 606 BC, his captivity in Babylon. If you remember, if you've been coming for First and Second Kings and the Chronicles, you'll remember that most of the kings were wicked. But there was one king by the name of King Josiah, who in 2 Kings found the word of God and then taught it to everyone. And they tore down the idols and he started worshiping the true and living God again. But then Josiah died and his sons were some of the most wicked, vile people who've ever lived because God has no grandchildren. It was during that time that Daniel lived in Jerusalem, lived in Judah. And so living in Judah, because three kings in a row were evil, God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar, who had just been winning huge battles to come and take captive Jerusalem. It came in three waves, three separate times he came in, and Daniel was taken captive in that very first wave. And he was taken away where he would be held captive for 70 years in Babylon. Manasseh, the king that preceded Judah, practiced soothsaying and witchcraft and consulted mediums and spirits, shed very much innocent blood. So during Daniel's life, he sees all this wickedness. How many of you guys feel like you're living in that? There's wickedness all around us, and it's easy for us to get hard-hearted. It's easy for us uh, to, become, to complain, to become complacent, to become bitter. But you know what? In the midst of all of that, 
There needs to be men and women who will stand up for the things of God and speak the truth when nobody else will. Amen? So let's begin there. It says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, first he was being a man of the word. We'll get to that. These are not really in order. I just put them all down there so you could have them and take them home with you. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, that's one of Josiah's son, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So imagine being at home. And all of a sudden, this mighty army comes around you. And they besiege. Usually when they besiege it, they would cut off all the supply of everything that you needed to survive. And then eventually you would either surrender or they would just come in and overrun you and take you captive. So Jehoiakim had succeeded his brother Jehoahaz. And both of these evil men were sons of Josiah, so they knew better. And we know that even though their dad was a godly man, they were ungodly men. So now God is going to bring righteous judgment. Now, he uses an ungodly king to bring righteous judgment. King Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked, wicked man. And Daniel's going to have an impact on his life. But God will even use the wicked to bring about righteous judgment upon those that should be righteous. Evil kings had built false idols to false gods, had given themselves over to vile practices, and the Lord, uh, in three different waves, brought them into captivity where they were taken away. Now, there's no direct word about it, but most believe that most people were either enslaved or put to death. And so we never see Daniel's parents mentioned ever again. We don't see any siblings mentioned ever again. We're going to see in a few verses that he was numbered amongst the eunuchs. So more than likely, this 13-year-old boy, Daniel, is in his home. They're besieged by a foreign army. People are being slaughtered all around him. And we're going to see that God had another plan for Daniel in the midst of it. But I want you to understand the context. Imagine being 13, 14 years old and potentially seeing your whole family slaughtered in front of you, if not at least taken captive. And now you're looking around, your life's a mess, you don't know what to do. And look at verse 2. And then it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, this is Nebuchadnezzar coming in and making the attack, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So he literally went into the temple and stole all the articles that were used to worship the true and living God and took the articles back and placed them in the place of his false God. In chapter four, when we get to it, after we're done with Revelation, we're gonna see that they're worshiping their false gods with the implements that were taken out of the temple. Verse 3, it says, the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the units, to bring some of the children to Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles. Every time Nebuchadnezzar raided a land, he would take what was good and keep it for himself. And then he would just destroy everything else. Well, one of the things he would take is he would take people of great intellect, people he thought could advise him down the road. And so, the chief of the eunuchs was told, and the eunuchs were advisors to the king, go find the most intelligent, find those who are good looking, find those who you think can help bring wisdom to our nation and bring them back and train them up in our ways. So what it says in verse four, it says, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. So they wanted these intelligent young men to come and serve, but they wanted them to be retrained their way. And so what they would do is, these young men, very intelligent, great wisdom, and they come in, and we'll see in the, in the coming verses, they change their language. You're going to speak our language. They change their name. You're not going to have the name that honors God. You're going to have a name that honors one of the false idols. They're going to feed them well compared to everyone else, but it's also a way of compromise because more than likely what they're being fed has been, been offered as sacrifices to the false idols. So here's Daniel. Look at this whirlwind. So his parents, either dead or taken captive, the unit comes, picks him out with a few of his friends. They drag him off to Babylon they think they're probably going to be put to death because that's what they've seen all around them. And instead of being put to death, look at verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and 
of wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So if you think you're going to be brought in and have your head chopped off, you think you're going to be have a sword run through you, and instead what happens is they bring you in and they lay out the same food the king eats. You might be really relieved. And no doubt most people in that situation were relieved. But notice they ate of the king's delicacies. And the diet that the king ate was contrary to the diet that God had commanded for Israel in those days. And so here it was, compromise and you can live. Compromise, you'll be in a position of authority. Compromise, you'll get that raise at work. Compromise, you might be able to get married to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, but at least you won't be alone. Compromise, and that's what the enemy always pushes at us. Compromise. If he cannot, again, disqualify you, he'll do everything he can to distract you. And here is Daniel, and keep in mind, if he does just go with the flow, who's going to say anything about it? Nobody. Why? Because they're all going with the flow. They're all thankful that they're not going to die. And so for you to stand up in that environment, you're probably going to stand alone. We know that he's going to have more than one person stand with them, but he's not going to, but in this case, he's going to stand for God. And sometimes you say, well, I would stand for God, but I don't want to stand alone. Let me encourage you. God has you there for a reason. You may be the only believer in your office. You may be the only believer in your household. You may be the only believer in your neighborhood. And God has you there for a reason. He wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. So they're attempting to brainwash these guys. Look, you're really smart. Let me brainwash you. You know what that sounds like to me? College. (laughs) Be careful where you go to college. Go to a college where God is honored if you can. And if not, you better be a Daniel and stand up even against those who won't. Amen? But they're indoctrinating them and changing. You know that almost 80% of high school kids who call themselves Christians by the time they graduate college walk away from their faith? Because they're being indoctrinated in most cases and things that just aren't true. And if they don't have Daniel's foundation, they're going to go with the flow. They're going to come home and tell their parent, tell us, we're all idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. But that's exactly what's happening with Daniel. And the easiest thing to do would be to go, man, I thought they were going to kill me. And they're bringing out the king's food and the king's wine. And they're going to put me in their college. And they're going to train me things. And then I'm going to get to be in a position of authority. And I'll probably wear nice clothes. And, and I'll be taken care of. And I won't have to worry about dying. I think most 13 or 14-year-olds would go along with that program, trying to strip away his faith, his heritage, trying to, again, take these young Jewish boys and try to get them to follow in the pagan ways of the Babylons. Taken into captivity in that first siege were Daniel and three of his friends. Now, notice what it says there about these young men, verse 6. Now, among those where the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then it says in verse 7, To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, Hananiah the name Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now why is this significant? Because every one of their names honored a true and living God, which tells me that they were raised in homes that worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they're worshiping the true and living God. And as soon as they're taken into this place of education, they just take their names and change them. So let me just go through these quickly. Daniel means God is my judge. They change his name to Belteshazzar, which is Baal, protect his life. You guys ever heard of Baal? Remember Baal? Remember Elijah calling fire down from the sky? Who was the woman that brought Baal worship into Israel? Who was it? Jezebel. So Baal worship is so bad that Jezebel's name has been wiped off the face of the earth and no one names her kid Jezebel anymore. So they're changing his name from God is my judge to Baal protect his life. Baal can't protect your life because Baal doesn't exist. Amen? Hananiah's name means God is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of, and it's one of these false gods. Mishael means who is what God is. Meshach means I am of a little account. And Azariah really got hammered. His name meant the Lord has helped. And they changed his name to the servant of the shiny one Nebo. Thanks. 
So here's what happens. The world will try to indoctrinate you. The world will challenge what you believe and why you believe it. They will challenge what you've been taught. And it's the easiest thing for you to do is just go with the flow and be like everyone else. And as you've heard me say so many times, any dead man can go with the, any dead fish can go with the flow. Amen? So they had godly parents, but their parents are gone. So they changed their diets. They changed their name. They're getting them to assimilate to the culture. Again, that's why you see so much pressure on Christians just to do the same thing everyone else does. Just to believe what everyone else does. Whatever they command you to do, just do it. Just obey it. Guys, there's a time that we were to obey Romans 13. We're to submit to those God's place in authority. But when we have to choose between obeying God and man, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? We, we do not obey man above God. And again, we're going to see this teenage boy seemingly be the only one that's like, dude, I ain't doing none of that. I'm not doing it knowing that more than likely, it will cost him his life. Here we have a teenage boy whose faith is being put to a test in a way that few of us can imagine. His circumstances and the trial he's facing were overwhelming. Can't even imagine what it was like for this young man. Again, taken captive, family either enslaved or slaughtered, friends lost, faith being put to the test. And again, the easiest thing to do would just be to conform and get in line with everyone else. But even at this young age, Daniel knew that conformity equaled compromise. Let me say that again. Conformity to the world is compromise to the things of God. Amen? So we don't conform with the world, we stand with the Lord. But even at this young age, he knew that. And his parents, gone, Daniel would have to stand on his own. I wonder how our 13 and 14-year-olds would do right about now. How would they do putting that about... How would the 30 and 40-year-olds do? We're put in that environment. How would we respond? Again, it takes the Lord to be able to stand when no one else would. Now watch verse 8. I love this. If you underline verses in your Bible, you need to underline part of verse 8. Notice what it says. So here's all the things he's been, hey, we're going to feed you well. We're going to change your name. We're going to put you in a position of authority. We're going to educate you. You're going to be able to rule and reign alongside the king. You're going to eat like the king. You're going to drink like the king. And you're going to be blessed. This is a position that you should be excited about having. And look at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Others would go, again, oh, thank you, God, I'm not going to die. Hey, that food looks pretty good. If the king eats it, it's the best they've got. And instead, he says, I'm not doing it. I will not defile myself with the things of the king, with the portion of the king's delicacy. How did he know that eating that was wrong? How did he know? He knew the word. He knew God's command. The only reason he knew right from wrong, that he knew that was wrong, is he knew what the word of God says. Guys, too often, ignorance is no excuse for sin, by the way. If you sin in ignorance, is it still sin? What's the answer? I didn't know the Bible said I couldn't do that. Well, now you do, and so you really need to repent. But you were already sinning when you did it, even though it didn't say. So Daniel knew, and he said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to defile myself. And he knew that more than likely that would mean that he would be put to death like so many others that he had seen put to death. Boy, could we use some teenagers like Dan? We could use some 50-year-olds like Daniel right about now. Amen? Who will stand when nobody else will. I believe also was he not only a man of word, but because he was a man of constant prayer. And have you ever noticed when you pray that God will actually, you know, God speaks to us. Sometimes you can pray and just be silent. Amen? Spend time in the word and spend time in prayer. And then, you know, there's that still small voice. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And remember, if he's speaking to you, it'll always will agree with the word. Amen? You don't have a word from the Lord that disagrees with the word of God. But Daniel would not be conformed. He said, I'm not doing it. He'd been being transformed by the renewing of his mind. He refused to bow to peer pressure. And Daniel did not view God's word as a law to be considered or a path to ponder, but a blessing to follow. Again, what have you purposed? He knew this is my life. I'm going to live a life that honors God. I'm going to be faithful to his word. I'm going to be that man. And because he'd already made that commitment, when something contrary to it came, he go, not doing that. 
And if you're in a position where it's, you know, you're making the decision on the fly, if you've not made up your mind that you're not going to be intimate with somebody before marriage, you'll probably fall into that. You have to make that your mind beforehand, amen? If you made up your mind, I'm not going to drink. I'm just not going to do that. Then when it comes your way at a wedding, you just pass. Why? Because you've already purposed in your heart. And again, if you have a glass of wine with dinner, that's between you and the Lord. But I've never seen anybody get drunk that didn't drink alcohol. Amen? So there are things where you purpose in your heart beforehand. I'm not going to be involved in looking at that. I'm not going to entertain myself by watching certain things. You have to purpose that beforehand so when it comes, no, I'm not doing that. It's already been set in stone. And we ask God to help us. Amen? That's Daniel, teenager, never knew he'd have to use it so quickly in his life. We need more Daniels today. Daniel purposed in his heart to obey God at a time when though was going through was the most difficult and almost unimaginable trials that we've seen so far. Again, they tried to change everything about him, but God blessed Daniel that he would just stand with the Lord. Why did God let this happen? You know, he could have said, He could have been mad at God, right? Couldn't you be mad at God? My parents, either enslaved or slaughtered, either one, not good, right? I had a family. We all honored you. We prayed together. We studied your word together. We were your people. Now my parents are gone. God, I'm mad at you. I'm so mad at you. I'm just going to go with the flow. How about that? And sometimes that's what happens. I will be counseling uh, married couples and a man will say, well, my wife won't be intimate with me, so I'm going to go look at porn. And he'll use her holding back as a reason for him to sin. And that happens, and that's just one example. There's thousands of examples like that. Well, they didn't give me that promotion at work, so I'm just going to come in late. Whatever. Where you take what the world is doing, or you take what's happening in a way that you're, you're not happy about, and you use that as an excuse to go sin. Guys, we need a purpose in our hearts that we're going to honor the Lord no matter what anybody else around us does. Amen? We're not going to heed what the world does. We're going to honor the Lord no matter what. And he could have just said, why didn't you protect your people, God? Could have used his circumstances as an excuse to turn away. Take what would seem the easy way out. After all, it's what most people do. I was just talking to somebody before church, and I hear this all the time. I don't go to church anymore because I've seen too many Christian hypocrites. You ever heard that before? I got that Christian coworker, and you know, he did this, and he cheated on his wife. I had this, this subcontractor that I bid this job out to, and uh, he, you know, he never paid me, or he didn't do the job right. And they'll just take a look at Christians and say, because of that Christian, I don't believe in Christ. And they see people compromising, and they want nothing to do with the Lord. And again, here's the reality. If you look at any Christian long enough, you're going to be discouraged because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? And we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we're going to heaven, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but that's why we don't put our faith in Christians, we put our faith in Christ, amen? And Daniel could have tried to make the best of a bad situation, just gone with the flow, so what everyone else is doing, all the other Christians do it. Can't tell any people, tell me that. Well, yeah, I know me and my girlfriend are sleeping together and we're not getting married for six months, but all my Christian friends do it. I don't care if everyone on the planet's doing it. You're going to stand accountable before Almighty God for what you're doing. Amen? I didn't come here for this today. It's hot in here, and I'm getting yelled at. At least, he could have said, at least I'm alive. It could have been worse. Let me just go with the flow. I guess I'll have to take care of myself. After all, a little compromise is better than being put to death. I people say, they love to use, when they meet pastors, they'll go, well, would you lie to save your life? Would you just tell them a lie? Like if they ask you if you're a Christian, would you just lie so they would let you go and then still go be a Christian? Uh, no. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you would deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And the only way we can do that is if we have an eternal perspective. Amen? Daniel could have eaten the food. He could have fully embraced the culture. He could have forgotten all that God's word had instructed him. He, could have, he had little to no accountability Uh, He may have never heard a word of changing the way he lived his life, but instead he purposed in his heart. He had made up before that moment happened that he was going to follow the Lord. I pray that everyone in this room, 
this morning has purposed in your heart that you are going to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above everything else. You're going to surrender your life fully to him. Can I get an amen to that? We need a purpose now, not on the fly. Amen? So easy to get away with stuff when no one's watching. That's why it's called character you know, godly men and women of character. It's in these times of great trials that our character is formed, that our testimony is forged. See, if Daniel just went with the flow, that book, this book's not in the Bible. We're not talking about him this morning. But because he took a stand for the Lord, God continues to use, his, use this man today. God is often doing the greatest work in us and through us during the greatest trials. How many of you have grown a lot through a trial that you've been through in your life? How many of you, the greatest growing in your life has been through trials in your life? So when trials come, as it says in James 1, count on joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, right? Trials produce, produce patience and the perfecting of your faith. It's part of us growing. So here's Daniel, and Daniel, while standing, is growing, Amen. Daniel, while remaining faithful when no one else will, that becomes the man that 2 Chronicles talks about, that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one and can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. There's a guy I can use. Now, God already knows it's coming, but we can look at that heavenly perspective. That's my guy. I'm going to use him. And he becomes a man used mightily by God. Notice what it says in verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. A lot of times when we didn't stand for the Lord, we face heavy consequences. But aren't there times when we stand for the Lord and God will use it in a mighty and a powerful way more than you ever expected that he would? Amen? Will you just stand up and say, I don't care what else, I'm not doing that. And you'll see how God will use that to impact somebody's life, to impact somebody's heart. I wish I had faith like that. How in the world can you stand when nobody else does? God gets all the glory, has nothing to do with us. He purposed to serve God, and then God brought favor. Notice how that happened. He purposed first to serve God, and then God brought favor. Amen? Here's how we pray. God, give me favor, then I'll stand. God, give me that promotion, and then I'll, be, I'll stand for you. God, give me that house I want, and then I'll stand for you. God, give me that gift that I want, then I'll stand for you. Daniel purposed in his heart, whether God gave him what, you know, blessed him or not, he was going to stand for God. And because he was that man, God gave him favor and gave him favor with the king, and God is going to use him in a mighty way. Now watch this. And the chief of the eunuchs said, who has appointed your food and drink? For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men that are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So we know this king cuts people's heads off at, at a whim. And the guy that's the head of the eunuchs is like, dude, if you don't eat the right food, and then you show up for you know, class, and you look all pale, and they look all strong, I'm going to get in trouble because they're going to find out I'm letting you eat your own diet and, you know, we're investing in you, and so they might kill me. So more pressure coming from the world for Daniel. Well, watch what Daniel says. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. I love when somebody believes the word enough to act upon it. Amen? Here's what he said. I've read the Bible. I already know what it says. Test and see. Test and see if the Lord is real. Test and see what the Bible says, if it's true or not. Guys, we don't have to give them a, a hemming and hawing answer about God. Well, maybe you might want to think about possibly considering the fact that this could possibly be true. If you really, you know, meditate on it, just feel it in your heart. Just kind of, you know, no. This is what the Bible says. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only one is the truth. Anything contrary to him is a lie, and you must surrender your life to Jesus Christ or you'll spend eternity separated from Almighty God. Amen? Amen. And we have too often, we have this man, and he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. Here's what the Word says. This is what we're doing. Test it and see. Come check us out. We'll honor God. You honor the world. Let's see how that works out. You know what? Show me a relationship that honors the Lord and show me one that's dishonoring to the Lord and I'll show you the difference of what God created marriage to look like. Amen? Amen. And so we see here that he's like, 
He's being threatened. I might die, bro. You're going to be in trouble. I'm not going to do it. Test us and see. I have these old videos from when my kids were little. And they were so good that when I had babysitters, I would come home and they're watching the Daniel video or the Joseph video. They're, they're, they're illustrated. And they'd be like, can I stay till the end of this? You know, because they loved it. And there's one part where you see this eunuch and he's telling them what they need to do. And when he says no, you see him going on the thing. He's all panicking. Like, don't, don't say that. Don't, sell, don't tell him to test you. He says, test me and see. Guys, our God's been put to the test. Our God is the truth. Amen? Amen. The word of God has been torn open sideways, upside down, inside out. And the word of God is true. And every time they shovel another shovel of dirt in Jerusalem, the word of God is proven yet again to be true. It's proven archeologically, it's proven historically, it's proven prophetically, amen? And so the word of God is true and we need to stand up for it, not him and all about it, not apologize for the word of God, but proclaim it with boldness. He says, I'll do what God says, you do what the world says, test us and see. Is that a man God can use? What's the answer? Look at verse 13. Then let your appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies, season see fit, so deal with your servants. He said, look, check it out. Watch us after it's over. Look at my life after I obey God. Look at my health after I obey God. And look at them when they disobey God. And let's see how that works out. Verse 14, so he consumed with them in this manner, consented with them, excuse me, in this manner, and tested them for 10 days. Now I love, have you ever noticed when people have a confidence about the things of God that others are more likely to consent when you're hemming and hawing, amen? It's been said a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. What that means is if the guy standing up here doesn't fully grasp the truth, nobody out there is gonna get it. Can I get an amen to that? So if you don't believe the truth, don't get up and try to proclaim it. But the reality is, we know what the Word of God says. And he's, gonna, he's proclaiming the truth, and he's standing on the truth. And because of that, he got the eunuch whose life could be on the line to go, okay. Why? Because he's confident in the truth. The world sees enough people who him and haw and change their mind all the time. We are not to be those people. Amen. We stand on the word of God. We know that it's true. It's not a, Christianity's not a hope so, it's a no so. Amen? You ask people all the time, you going to heaven? I hope so. Boy, that'd be a tough spot to be in, wouldn't it? Well, gee, billions of years in eternity hanging in the balance. I hope I'm not frying in hell. Hey, I don't want that program. How about you? I'm thankful that by the grace of God, I've been forgiven. Watch what happens. We're finishing up. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. So Daniel was obedient. God would ultimately be glorified and he would be blessed. Again, there were more great trials coming, but do you think that by Daniel standing this time that he learned something? What's the answer? When you've seen God be faithful in the past, can you trust him to be faithful in the future? When we read in the word of God prophecy about Jesus and then we see it take place, can we trust the future prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled about Jesus? What's the answer? So the more trials you go through, the more confidence you can have in who the Lord is because you've seen him show up because he's a faithful God. Daniel obeys God and God blesses Daniel. Notice what happens. I love this. They're going to change their diet. It says there, the steward took away their portion of delicacies, verse 16, and the wine that they were to drink, people giving up wine is a good idea. And here it says, and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom and had understanding and all visions and dreams. So when the, when the steward saw that the diet of the Jewish boys, the, the ones who followed the true and living God was better, he took away the diet from the, un, from the guys who were following after the pagan uh, diet and had them all for the next three years eat according to God's plan. And it's amazing how God will do that. Somebody stands for the Lord. We see God's hand of blessing upon it. And then it transformed the lives of other people who are just standing by. They see God's hand upon it. What's so different about you? How can you still have joy in the midst of the greatest trials that you're going through in life? It's only possible because if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? 
Notice that they were faithful to the Lord and they're going to be the smartest guys in class. They're going to, be the, they're going to have more wisdom than anybody else. They're going to soon pick out the four Jewish boys. These are the guys. Now, you're going to see that all the way until Daniel's in his 80s, the other wise men all hated Daniel. You know why? Because God was using Daniel. Later, there's going to be prophecy. They're going to ask the other wise guys, what do they give them? Nothing. He goes and asks the soothsayers. They're out there shaking sticks or looking at the stars. And Daniel comes in and brings the truth. And every time that happens, the, these other wise men are getting mad at him. That's why they eventually outlawed prayer, because they knew they couldn't get Daniel unless they did something that made him uh, contrary to the word of God. That's the only way they would catch him to find the king. And that's why they got rid of prayer. Guys, that's what the world wants to do to us. Amen? We banned the, we can't have the word of God in schools anymore. I told my youth group kids, take your Bibles. Take five Bibles. Carry them all around. Amen? Quit worrying about what the world says. Let's be faithful to what the Word of God says. But notice it says, gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and deadline understanding and visions and dreams. So in coming chapters, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to have dreams and nobody's going to be able to interpret it. But they're going to call for Daniel. Why? Because Daniel stood for the Lord when it came to the diet. Daniel stood for the Lord when it came to putting his life on the line. And now Daniel is going to use that same man to speak the truth in a place where nobody else knows it. And praise God for that, purposing in his heart. He's going to be a man of prophecy. Point number three there, he will prophesy and give understanding. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said, they should be brought in. The chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar interviewed them, and among them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. They got promoted because they were faithful to the Lord and because nobody else spoke the truth the way that they did, because they knew the truth. And they, because again, if he doesn't say, I'm not going to defile myself, we're never in this position. If he doesn't take a stand when nobody else will, he's never in this position. And now God's putting him on the right hand of the king. And for 70 years, three more kings are going to come and go. And Daniel's going to remain because God knew that he was a man that God could use for his kingdom and for his glory because he stood for God when nobody else will. May we be men and women who will stand for God even when nobody else will. Amen? And then finally, verse 21 and then Daniel continued, oh wait, verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, astrologers, and those in his realm. Of course they did, because astrology is nonsense. Amen? Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. All of Christians have called me and say, hey, do you know a, a licensed clinical person who does. Uh, we have the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? We don't need Freud and Young's thought. We don't need dead atheists or burning in hell's opinion on anything. Can I get an amen to that? The word of God is true. Let's get godly counsel. I don't want counsel from anybody who's not filled with the Holy Spirit. How about you? Because the spirit of the living God, he is the mighty counselor. Amen. So they went and looked at all the other guys. These guys were all idiots. They can't interpret anything. They don't know anything. 150 bucks an hour to get a bunch of nonsense and send home as messed up as when you got there. Can I get an amen? And so what instead, now good, praise God, there are godly counselors, Christian counselors, amen? And Christian counselors, praise God, use them, that's great. But if they're not born again, I don't need their counsel, they need mine. They need yours. Can I get an amen to that? And so all these guys who've been raised in that, they've been there three years. These guys have been raised their whole life. Some have been serving a long time. Probably some serving longer than Daniel's been alive. And guess what? Daniel knows the truth because he walks in the truth because he follows the truth. Can I get amen to that? Guys, we need those people to make a stand for the Lord. And then it says, and Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel remained over 70 years. And again, kings came and went. And guess what? Presidents will come and go. Nations will come and go. But our God will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. So Daniel, he would finish strong because he purposed in his heart to serve God and to remain pure at a young age. He proposed by being a young man of the word. 
purpose by being a young man of the word, a young man of prayer, a young man who would not bow to the pressures of the world to compromise, a young man who would put his faith in action. He stepped out in faith. God blessed him. We need more Daniels today. Amen? So in review, ready for chapter two? We'll be there after Revelation. So what have you purposed? Just between you and the Lord, what have you purposed in your heart? When I was a young man, I purposed in my heart to be the best football player I could be. Then I was later to be the strongest guy at bench press when I did bench press. And there's other things, and there's nothing seriously wrong with those unless they're more important than the Lord. Amen? It's like the love of money is the root of all evil. Money can be used for God's glory or it can be a distraction. So what's the purpose in your heart? How do you find purpose? Be a man or a woman of the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Be a man or a woman of prayer. Walk in constant communion with the Lord. Be a person of prophecy. Now, you may, not have, you may not have a gift to foretell something that's going to happen, but we all can foretell. We all can tell people what the Word of God says. Amen? When someone has a question, what should I do? You quote the Bible, that's being prophetic. Amen? Number four, seek godly fellowship. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are in here and it's like 150 degrees and you're still here. God bless you guys. This is a free sauna. There's no extra charge for this. <laughs> and then Daniel purposed in his heart. Lord, help us to purpose in our heart to make him the priority and passion of our lives. Can I get an amen to that? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for your word that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, I pray this morning for all of us, if we've gotten distracted, again, we should do our work as unto you, but our work should never be more important than you. We should love our wives, but we should, and we should be the best husbands and the best wives to our husbands in, in our marriage. But Lord, we should never put our spouse above you. We should honor you, so we will honor our spouses. Our children, we love them so much it hurts. But Lord, we should never put our children in front of you. But Lord, we should raise them in your fear and admonition. And by honoring you, we'll be the best parents possible. Lord, help us to be godly citizens. Help us to be godly neighbors. Help us to be a Christ-like example to the world around us. And Lord, if anybody here has allowed any idol to get in the way they've made more important than, than you. I pray that even now we would repent, that we would turn and say, Lord, I don't want this thing that distracts me from you. I want you to be the priority of my life. If you're here this morning and you know that there's other things that you've had become more important in your life than the Lord, I just want you to stand up and I'm gonna pray with you and pray for you that God will help you to make him the priority and the passion of your life. Anybody at all. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So easy to get other things and make them more important, even good things. Heavenly Father, all of us who stand, Lord, if we put things more, made things more important in our life than you, may we do all that we do as unto you and do it well, but we may, may we never make anything more important than our relationship with you. Help us to be men and women of God who purpose in our heart not to defile ourselves, not to fall for the things of the world, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and precious name we pray. All God's people said. Amen.